This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Amen. Well, give the Lord a praise and a shout, somebody. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? God is alive. He is for you, not against you. Amen. He has blessing. He has life. He has everything that you could desire. Amen. He did it all for you. He did it for me. He did it for all those who are outside these walls. The hurting, the lost, the broken. Those who are carrying a burden of guilt. Those who are carrying shame. Whatever the, whatever the need may be of the human heart, He did it for us. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. You know, the resurrection of Jesus to me is the most uh, seminal point in history. It's the most momentous point in history. It changed everything because it changed our destination. It gave us a future and a hope. Amen. And you know, I want to talk to you today about the resurrection because I want it to be more than just an historical event. Thank God for that. But it's more than that. It comes down through time and through history right where you live. Right where you're at right now with all your struggles, with all your concerns and all the things, that the challenges that you're facing in your life, it comes down to make a difference today and 2019. Amen? You know, Christ's resurrection, you know, there's a lot of skepticism about it. That's understandable. Amen? I've not seen someone raised from the dead. So it's understandable that people could be skeptical. So let's look at, to start about today, is it fact or is it fiction? What is it uh, about it? You know, now as Christians, we accept it by faith, and, and, and rightly so. But you know, in 1 Corinthians 15, we want to look at it from a, to begin with from a historical point of view. Is it fact or is it fiction? Christ's resurrection. You know, today, I don't know if you, anybody ever been on jury duty? Are involved in a court case? I have. Very interesting, you know. Of course, we, we have our legal uh, proceedings and the way that, that things are done. We even have a judge that sits there, you know, on, at the bar. And he is there. And I found this out when I served on a jury duty. The judge is there just to make sure that everything is done according to the law, according to the Constitution, the laws of our land. And, uh, you know, and then you've got the prosecutor and you've got the defendant there and you've got the attorney for them and, and they present their case and each one brings testimony and brings witnesses. Amen. Credible witnesses that are brought to testify for each side in the case. And then the jury, we who sit on the jury, we listen to the evidence, to the facts. We listen to the witnesses that are presented. And then the jury deliberates and makes a decision. The judge doesn't decide the case. It's the jury that does that. 
And so there are witnesses that are presented. And, you know, in the court of law, when there are credible witnesses, two or three credible witnesses, it bears a great deal of weight for the jury. And so I want to look here in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, chapter, chapter 15. We're going to begin reading there with about verse, uh, I want to begin reading about verse 3. Paul is writing, he said, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, that's Paul's testimony in the Scriptures' testimony. Now listen what he says. That He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. So that's 13 right there, isn't it? After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. That's a lot of witnesses. 500 at one time saw the risen Christ. They saw the nail prints. They saw his side had been pierced. They saw the living Savior. He that was dead and is risen. 500 at one time. That's pretty credible, I think. That's 513. Uh, He said, and after that, that, uh, he said, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. That's the Lord's brother. That's 514. And last of all, he appeared to me also as one born abnormally out of time. So that's 514 people that testify to the fact the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I've never been on a case where that many witnesses were needed to be brought in to prove a point. That would take a case a long time to have 514 witnesses brought in. Usually it's two or three. The facts have been taken. So is it from a human point of view, the eyewitness accounts, they're irrefutable. 514 that Jesus appeared to, and they made the case known. It is a fact. Jesus Christ has been risen from the dead. Now, let's look at God's perspective. That was a human perspective. Let's look at God's perspective. Look in the book. I'm going to read from Colossians chapter 2. We've got man's perspective. We've got the witnesses, credible witnesses, that testify to the fact that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. In Colossians 2... In verse 13, here is Paul writing again from God's point of view, from heaven's point of view. It says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. Wow. God made you alive with Christ. As believers, as Christians, God has made us alive together with Christ. In God's Mind And in God's point of view, all those who put their faith in Jesus, He says, you've been raised up together with Him. But not only that, even if you've never placed your faith in Jesus yet as Savior, the potential is there because the Bible says He died for every man, for every person, for every woman, for every child. He died for all. So the potential for your resurrection life, this new life, the power of a new life, it is a fact because of what Jesus finished, consummated, and declared to be true and finished by the resurrection from the dead. He says, you've been raised up together 
with Him, He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, He's taking it away, nailing it to the cross. And He's disarmed the powers and authorities that were accusing us, that held sway in our lives, in our thinking, in our attitudes, in our purpose. He says He's disarmed all those and made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them. Amen? Wow. So we're talking about the power of resurrection, the power that gave us and has the potential to give you a brand new life, a brand new start, the power of a new life. I don't know about you, but I sure am glad that God gave us the, the opportunity to receive a brand new life. You ever needed a new start, a fresh start? Now, I know, you know, probably, you know, as I say many times, maybe you did God a favor when you came to God. But when I came, He didn't get any favor. He just got a whole lot of work that needed to be done, and He's still working on me. But the power of a new life, a fresh beginning. I'll tell you, when I think about this, 43 years ago this July, I can still remember the point of receiving a new life. It marked my life. It changed my direction. It changed my attitude. It changed my values. It changed my purpose. It changed the way I made decisions in life. It changed everything. It was a turning point. It was a point of a brand new life. And I tell you, it's been a wonderful journey. It's been a tremendous journey. His life, look in Romans 6, Paul puts it so eloquently, much more eloquently than I can. Verse 4, it says here, it says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. A new life with a new future and a new hope. Listen, Christianity is about the future. It absolutely is. I'm so glad that it is because you know what? The life we're living now, I'm grateful for it. I want to make every moment count. But I'm going to tell you what, this life we're living now, it has a shelf life. I don't care if you live to be 100. There is a point in time where this present life will end. And the resurrection life of Jesus has something to do with this life. It absolutely does. It can bring fulfillment. It can bring purpose. It can bring the birth of dreams and plans that God has for us. Absolutely. We can glorify God. But I'm so glad because this life does have a shelf life. No matter what your accolades, no matter what height you achieve in your career or anything, it has a shelf life. Think of all the great men and women who've lived and gone before us in this nation that have changed uh, our nation for the better, who've made a difference. We think about the great men and women in in government and in industry and and, in the civil rights movement and in human rights movement and so many things in technology and all the things that we enjoy. But you know what? With the impact they had, they still had a shelf life. 
They are not here now. And we also are running our race. We're taking our place, and rightly so, but there is a shelf life. So I am grateful for the life now, and we want to live it to the fullest. That's what this life is about. But also I'm glad that when this life is over, I have a hope and a future. Amen. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our life is joined with God right now. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about? The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A brand new person. Brand new. The inward man is made new in resurrection power when we put our faith in Jesus. And one day, the outer man is going to have the same transformation as the inner man. Amen. Absolutely. We're joint heirs. We're talking about the resurrection. This new life means I'm joined together. I have a relationship. Listen to me, people. Listen, young people. You can have a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You know, man, I, I'd be great. And You know, I, I, one of my sons works for Jeff Bezos. And, you know, that's a good thing and that's a great thing. You know, and we can, we can name drop about, you know, we work for this person and, and we work for the, that person or some other person and, and so forth and so on. And we know this person or we know that person. But you know what? Having a relationship with God. I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, just something mental. I'm talking about a living relationship where the Holy Spirit is living in you. The Holy Spirit is teaching you and guiding you and directing your life. And you have a vital relationship with a living God. That's what I'm talking about. That's what the resurrection is all about. That's what the new life is about. It's not a set of rules and regulations that weigh you down. It is a life that gives you joy and peace and purpose. So we have an inheritance with him. In Ephesians 2, Paul again speaking. And he's again speaking so elegant, elegantly here in Ephesians 2 and eloquently as well. In Ephesians 2, <clears throat> it says, we want to look there in, in verse 11, therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcision by those who call themselves circumcision, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of God and the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. Now that's where everyone is outside of Christ. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We have been brought near, near to God, in relationship to God. This is what I'm talking about. What could be better than walking through your life, whatever God has called you, you to do in life? Whatever your dream, whatever your aspirations, whatever you desire to be, uh, you know, in any area of life, what better way to fulfill that purpose? What better way to impact in that area of our culture, of our history, of our life than to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? 
to have the wisdom of God at your disposal, to have the promises of God at your disposal. What a difference it would make. Amen. We're joint heirs. We're called to walk with God. We're called to make a difference and, and to bring uh, uh, other people into the knowledge of God. His love, His grace, His purpose, and His power. Amen. We're joint heirs. Our life is joined with God. And also, we're called to a future with Christ Jesus. Revelations chapter 5 the resurrection. We're talking about the resurrection power and, and the power of a new life that it brings to us. In Revelations chapter 5, notice what it says here in verse 10. <clears throat> he said, you have made them, speaking of those who put their faith in Jesus, you've made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Not only do we have a new life now, not only do we have a, 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 an ongoing vital relationship with God by the person of the Holy Spirit, not only have we received forgiveness, not only have we received an inheritance with God and the promises of God and the plan of God for this life, but he says in the future, we are destined to rule and reign with Him. Amen? Amen. I'm so glad. Well, you know, one of these days, they're going to lay this outward man here. They're going to put him in the grave. This outward man's going to go in the grave. I don't know. Some of you may walk by and say, well, you know, there he is. Like Shakespeare, alas, poor York. We knew him well. But you know what? That won't be the end. I said that won't be the end. That'll be the end of... This temporary life, but I'm telling you, life is going to go on. I have a future and a hope that I'm going to rule and reign with Him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Sure makes life worth living. Amen. Amen. When you face difficult times, and, and you will face difficult times, amen, in life, it's so good to know that I'm not walking through life alone. That the power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to me and in me. And I have a future and I have a hope. Amen? Amen. So we're talking about the power of resurrection and the power of a new life that it brings to us. The power of resurrection. Amen? Listen, I want to really bear this home with you today because I don't want us to just leave here and go with our families and have a meal and say, you know, wasn't that good? I want you to really, really let it sink in deep into your heart and in your mind that Jesus has been raised from the dead for a purpose. And that is that you might have a new life, that you might have it abundantly, Jesus said, that you might have peace, that you might have joy, that you might have all that God intended for you to have in this life and in the life to come. Amen? Amen. So his future, ruling and reigning. And so right now, the, the inward man has been raised up as Paul wrote about. But also, the resurrection of Jesus means we have the hope of a resurrecting of our bodily life. Amen? We're going to get a brand new body. Ephesians chapter 2. Won't that be good? 
You know, I have, by the grace of God, I have enjoyed good health through my life. I'm thankful for that. And if you've enjoyed good health, you should be thankful. That's a lot to be thankful for, isn't it? I'm grateful for that. I am. But you know, as I get, I'm getting older, because this outer man is not redeemed, <laughs> you know, I, I can't move as quick as I used to. Amen. I don't turn the car around as quick as I used to. We just got back from a road trip to South Florida about 10 or 11 hours, you know, seeing my grandson. And, you know, I don't recover from driving as quick as I used to. Age is a real thing, isn't it? I'm not sick. I'm, I'm still healthy, but I'm not 35 anymore. I, you know, now that's what I used to say. I used to say I'm not 40 anymore. Now I say I'm not 50 anymore. You know, it's all relative, isn't it? From where I am, 50 looks pretty good. Now, if you're 50, you may say it doesn't look so good, but tack on a few more years and 50 might start looking pretty good. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, uh, I, I know that this life is going to come to an end. This body, it ages. I look at it, you know, I look at my hands and I think, where do those spots come from? He's some of those, that spot remover. <laughs> I got more gray hair than I used to have. I have less hair than I used to have. I can show you some pictures and prove that I really did have a lot of hair when I was younger. But the outer man, though the inner man is being renewed, Paul said, the outer man is decaying, isn't it? By that, it's getting older. That's just, that's just the way it is. But thank God... We have a promise, not only of the inner man, in Ephesians 2, 6, God says, God's raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. The, the inner man is being renewed day by day by that life I've received, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So the, the inner man, man, I'm just as young on the inside as I ever was. Woo, I'm young on the inside. I am. I don't think old. I don't dream old. I don't have old expectations worn out. I'm new on the inside, just as new as I ever was. Amen. My faith is just as strong as it ever was. Amen. My desires are just as strong and fervent as they ever were. The inner man is renewed day by day. Thank God for that. And everybody over 30 said, Okay. <laughs> That's the best amen I ever got. That's really good. Appreciate that. <laughs> so the inner man, but the outer man too. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul wrote to the church there to encourage them. Because you know what? Uh, Paul had gone through, he had preached the gospel there in Thessalon Thessalonica. And you know, he had a established the church there. People had received this resurrection life in them. And in the process of time, some of them that received this new life, they had died. I know we don't like to talk about death. I mean, nobody likes funerals. Yeah. But you know what? It's inescapable. It's inescapable. 
you know, we're here working on the building. We had a work day yesterday. Thank you for everybody that came out. But every time I'm here, we're here on work days, on Saturdays especially, I notice there's at least one to two funerals that, that go by to this, this graveyard right up here. Every day people die. It's just a fact in life. It's the same thing in Thessalonica. In the church here at Thessalonians, death is a reality. We're not saying that it's not because it is. But he wrote to encourage them, and the encouragement that he gave them is for us as well. Now, notice here in 1 Thessalonians, we're going to look there at verse uh, 16. He says, well, let's, we'll, we'll back up. The verse 13, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Amen, Passion Church. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word. We tell you that we who are still alive and are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Amen. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Today, we had a dramatization, an enactment of the resurrection, the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But I want you to move past just the historical part, as important as that is, and I want to bring it right down to where you and I live today, the power of Christ's resurrection. Does it have the power still through two millennia to touch and to change your life, your family, your circumstances, to resurrect your hope and your dreams? To give you a future in this life and especially in the life to come. I, for one, believe that the answer is a resounding yes. Amen? I do. So I want to ask you a couple of questions before we pray this morning. First of all, what will you decide about Christ's resurrection? Is it fact or is it fiction? Everyone must make a decision. I can't choose for you. I can't decide for you. You can't decide for me. Each one must make up his or her own mind. God's given you that right, and no one can take it from you. The power to decide. The power to choose. We can choose to believe. We can choose to doubt. We can choose to accept Him. We can choose to refuse Him. The the choice is ours. But I would implore you not to make this choice lightly. Consider the facts. Consider the evidence. Consider the outcome of your decision. Then secondly, I would ask you this. Do you want a new life? Do you need a new beginning on this Easter Sunday? 
Do you need a fresh start? Maybe things have gone completely off track from what you had planned for your life. Amen? I'm telling you, I've made lots of plans. Some of those plans, they worked out. Some of them didn't. How about you? And I have faced setbacks in some of my plans and the things I had for life. I've even uh, had failures. So our plans, no matter how carefully we may make them, no matter how wise you may be, that, you know, we don't have perfect knowledge. So today, maybe you're facing a situation where you say, you know what? I need a new start. I need a new beginning. I need to go back and re-examine my faith. The faith of my fathers, the faith of my grandmothers or whatever. I need to go back and re-examine this resurrection, this claim of Jesus Christ. The Bible says this, says that if we will believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead and will confess Him as Savior and Lord, He said, you will be saved. What does that mean? It means your sins will be forgiven and you will have a brand new life, a brand new start. You can experience the resurrection power of Jesus right now in your life, in your family, in your circumstances. Amen? Would you bow your heads just for a moment? Father, today, in our worship, in our drama, and in this brief message, we have endeavored to present Jesus Christ, not only crucified for our sins, but raised up for our justification, raised up to give us new life. Father, I pray for every person in this auditorium, Lord, that they will carefully consider what they will do with the facts of Jesus' resurrection. The life that He lived, a sinless life, the death that He went to the cross to bear our sins, and the resurrection that we celebrate today to give us new life, that each one will carefully reflect upon that. God, I pray for those who are unsure, who are still in the valley of decision, I pray that you, as only you can, would make this resurrection of Jesus, this life of Jesus, this grace extended, you would make it so real to them and help them in their decision. Oh God, that they would not just leave this place and forget what they've heard, but God, your word would continue to speak to them. And to draw them. If you're here this morning, I won't ask you to come forward or anything. But if you say, Pastor Norris, I'm in that valley of decision you talked about. Please include me in your prayer. If that's you, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just put your hand up and right back down. I'm going to include you in this prayer. We won't ask you to say anything. We're not going to ask you to do anything. Just I want to know who... 
who I'm praying for. If that's you, put your hand up. Put it right back down. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for those, Lord, who raised their hands and maybe some who didn't. But, Lord, they're deciding. They're, they're making a decision. They're, maybe they're unsure. But, Lord, as I pray, I thank you, Lord, that you will help them to make the right decision. That you will make yourself real to them. That you will open their hearts to the truth and the life that is theirs, that is available. Lord, the scripture says you stand at the door and knock. You knock on our lives, the door, the heart, our hearts and our lives. You want to come in, not to condemn, but to forgive, to bring peace and to give us a hope and a future. And I pray that for everyone in this place today, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church. Thank you.